Good morning, Hope Church. If this is your first time with us this morning, welcome. We're so glad that you can be with us this morning. My name is David Mathis. I am one of the pastors here. Ruben Barbosa over here is our Spanish pastor. He's going to be uh, leading the next service in Spanish. God has called us as a church uh, to have two languages, um, but one body, one family, one hope in Jesus Christ. And I'm just thrilled with the work that God is doing in this church. I'm glad you could be with us this morning. So we're continuing our study through the book of Ephesians. And what God has called us to as a church uh, really is to get past what is our normal experience out in the world uh, of, of different social, different, different languages, but also different cultures, different social status, different places in the workplace, different places in life. Um, but God has brought us all together here, and what we've experienced here is that those things don't have such significance as they did out in the world. Um, but what we're finding in, in the book of Ephesians, as we're learning about what it means to be one body, to have one hope, is that there's something real in that, um, that, that this disparity of division out in the world no longer has a significance when we come in to the family of God. Now, what we're going to be getting into Ephesians this morning, as we've been going through uh, relationships, uh, first the marriage relationship and then the relationship between um, children and their parents, um, now we're getting into a relationship that really is a, a great disparity of social position. But this relationship brought into the church now, this is a relationship between slaves and masters, something that maybe we don't identify with as much um, here where we're at uh, in the United States in, uh, in 2019. It's, it's something that, and even when we think about slavery, uh, our... our concept of slavery goes back into the history of our country, which is, which is different, actually, than, than what the conditions were there in the first century church and, and in the community around them. So we kind of have to try to see the conditions there that Paul was writing into uh, from a different view than what is our understanding of slavery. It certainly was slavery. Uh, but, but one of the concepts that we have of slavery is that that it's also tied into a really bad uh, form of racialism. Uh, we, we tie race to slavery in our history, whereas that wasn't the case here. You, you had, um, it, slavery was more a social status, um, and, and it could have been any of the races among us uh, would be, wouldn't have slaves represented. Um, in this time, first century in Rome, uh, there, was, there was a shift that had been going on. Originally, most of the slaves had been coming in uh, because, you know, Rome conquering countries, and, and you have the, the spoils of war, slavery coming out of that. You had uh, piracy uh, as a source of slaves. And, but, but what had been transitioning and, and growing is that more of the slave population was coming from slaves being born within the households of slaves. Um, and... And there was a, a social change that had been happening at that time as well, where, um, where the jobs that slaves were being given were, were more domestic, public, of a sensitive nature. They were more trusted in, in jobs, and they were more integrated into what was uh, the social experience at that time. Um, 
And, and Roman law followed with that. And so you had uh, more and more the opportunity for slaves to gain, gain favor with their master and actually become freed. Um, and, uh, and, and even though Roman law really still saw a huge difference between what a slave was and what it meant to be freed. And they had four rules to that. One of them was uh, the, the most fundamental rule that, that, that a freed person had uh, a legal identity, that they were a person, whereas a slave was considered legally a thing, property. And that's a pretty big difference. Um, also, uh, you had, uh, of the four, and another one was, was freedom from being seized as property. Uh, and the, a third one was, was freedom to choose where you wanted to work. And finally, the, the fourth one was freedom to choose where you wanted to live. And, and we would think that, you know, once a slave, a slave gained their freedom, that there'd be a, a huge difference socially. But, but actually, there was this continuum, even among slaves, where, where some slaves were kind of in what our picture is of that desperate uh, situation under a master who's, who's really not a good master. Um, all the way up through, you know, slaves of Greeks were able to own their own property. They were even able to own other slaves. Uh, they were able to, with permission, choose to have another job outside of their duties as a slave. Um, but then, but then you, uh, as they gained their freedom, uh, a lot of times that came with contracts. It, in order for the, the master to, to sign off to say, yes, you are now freed, uh, that would come with a bunch of contracts. So really, they only realized that first element of freedom to be legally considered a person and not a thing, whereas everything else was still in actual experience, looked much like what it had before. They're serving who is their master, but now it's just under contract rather than as a slave. So in experience, there's this, there's this vast continuum from, uh, uh, from uh, slave to freed that was the conditions that Paul was writing this letter into. And, and that congregation at the time, within Greece and Italy, a third of the population at that time were, were slaves. And so in our congregation, if we were here, the church in Ephesus, a good portion of us would be slaves and with our masters right there next to us. And so as Paul's dealing with relationships within the body and family of God, this is a real relationship within the body that he's addressing. Um, but there's some cool things that come out of it um, that God uses for his purposes in teaching us uh, based on that, that relationship, which we'll find. So let's read, if we go into Ephesians chapter 6. And something interesting here is, is what we noted with the other relationships is very much in view here, is the call to lead a spirit-led life, which began in chapter 5. And also, the call to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That is still in view as we're talking about masters and slaves, to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, which is very interesting, especially in that relationship that has such a great disparity in social status and even legally recognizing um, as a person. All right, so let's read in chapter 6, starting in verse 5. It says, bond servants, uh, obey your earthly masters. Now, I... I the, the word translated bondservants, we've talked about bondservants in the past. It's a, it goes back to Old Testament even of, of an idea of you know, a slave who's, who's done being a slave uh, is going to be set free because they've worked off a debt or whatnot. Um, 
can choose to say, no, I, life is so much better being a slave to you, my master. I want to be your slave forever. Um, and so that would be a voluntary servant, and, that, and that's what a bondservant is. That word here can be translated as slave or bondservant. I, I think a better translation in the context is just simply um, slaves. Uh, slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, even though we don't have this social aspect uh, here in 2019, God, we know that, that your word um, is life and that there is truth in here for us to understand and to apply to our lives. There's incredible truth here. God, open our eyes to your word. I pray that you would speak uh, to our hearts. God, let your Holy Spirit um, open our eyes to your truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, the first thing that, that I want us to look at here. Yes, there's this disparity and even in our own experience and, and, and what we've seen within Hope Church is, is we have come close to people that are in a different walk of life, different place, uh, and, and I'm sure you, some of you have uh, supervisors and bosses and CEOs, and some of you have people working for you. There's these differences of levels um, among people that come together within the body of Christ. But if it's such an extreme difference of master and slave, we see that God says, there is no partiality with God, then the same would affect any of our other relationships. See, in verse five, it says, bondservants, obey your earthly masters. He's already implicitly uh, speaking to what he's gonna talk about to the masters, that yes, this is your earthly master, but what does he say at the end there? Um, he says, uh, in verse 9, masters do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and your master is in heaven and that there's no partiality with him. So the first main point here is that there is no partiality with God. And that's important for us to understand. It's been part of our experience really as a church, but it's important for us to understand that just because of someone's social status, there is no difference in their position in the family of God. They are no less a child of God, no less a co-heir with Christ. So this is really what, what is happening in the church is a major disruption uh, socially. It was then and it is now. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. Starting in verse 26, it says, but now that faith has come, we are no longer, oh, sorry, in verse 26, but in Christ Jesus, you all are all sons of God through faith. 
For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Here we have three major areas of, of, of difference, Jew and Greek. We already covered that in Ephesians, where two people, uh, those that were the Jews and those that were not the Jews, that, that God uh, brought peace to both, and he, and he broke down the barrier um, between the two, and he has made one people out of the two. Um, and so now that we don't make that distinction anymore. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. He's saying, truly, every distinction that we would ever make of one being greater than another no longer exists in Christ. We are identified in Christ. And it says, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. What does it mean to be baptized into Christ? I want to look at that briefly. Um, uh, go with me back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> starting in verse 12. It says, For just as the body is one, we've been talking about this through Ephesians, this analogy to the human body uh, that is the body of Christ, which is us, the church, and every, every uh, part being important in the body. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. We're about to do baptisms this afternoon. Those baptisms are, are a picture, a symbol of something real that has happened in someone's life. And that, and that something that's real is, is a spiritual baptism. It's baptism into Christ. It's an immersion into Christ, just as we say immersion into water. It's an immersion into Christ, and it's by the Spirit. This is, this is the baptism of the Spirit, the real baptism that's happening when we believe. And we saw that at the beginning of Ephesians when it said, those who believe that, that the Holy Spirit has put his seal on your life. That this is the actual real transaction that that brings us into the body of Christ. We're, that's not just a figurative idea. There's something real to that that is by the power of the Spirit and spiritually that we are a part of the body of Christ through faith in Christ. And so what we've been experiencing here at Hope Church is not just by our efforts that we said, this will be a good idea, let's put these together and we're gonna get rid of diversity. No, that, that's something real that happens by virtue of the Holy Spirit working in us. That in truth, we have been brought together as one body and it's sustained by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the unity that we have is by the power of God and it's something real. And so when we say there's no partiality with God, he's seeing every part of this body as his instrument, as his child, as brother and sister to Christ in this family that is a part. Doesn't matter where you come from outside this building. 
Not that this building is anything special, but where you come from outside of this family, that together here in Christ, we are all one in him. And so every time we introduce the service with two languages, one hope, that's not just something we made up. That's something that God is accomplishing in us. So, I do want to point out, because we can go wrong here as Christians, that no partiality from God also means no partiality to church affiliation. And, and, and we can get excited, and it's good to get excited about what God is doing in Hope Church. But a Christian, a believer in Hope Church is no more or less a child of God and part of the promise than a believer at Fellowship Church or a believer at the church down the street. There's one Lord, one God, one Holy Spirit. And there's no partiality from God among his body. All right. Second point. Should we then, since in Christ there is no Jew or Greek, there is no male or female, there is no slave or free, we should just do away with all of that, right? We're all exactly the same. Is that what he wants us to do? Or does God have a purpose for us right where we're at? The second point is that my life is a temporary assignment. Right where you're at. Temporary assignment. Let's go back in 1 Corinthians, back to chapter 7. get the right Corinthians. Like That does not look right. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's get the right chapter. See, God will use anyone, even someone who can't flip to the right page in their Bible. Chapter 7 and verse 17, it says, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Do you see your life that way? When you came to Christ, did you see that right where you at, in all the brokenness that you brought, that God's hand was in that, that he wanted to use you as his child exactly there? Slave or free, Jew or Gentile, male or female, exactly as God had created you, and even in all of the brokenness to see your life situation right where you're at, that, that he has a calling for you right there. Do you see your life that way? Now, does that mean nothing is, is going to change? No, there was, there was dramatic change. We saw that in Ephesus uh, in the church there. You had... Those who, were, those who were making idols to sell, uh, their, their, whole, their whole job was going to change. And, and you had those who were magicians that, that we saw in Acts were just burning all of their books and everything. There, there was dramatic change in their life. But, but, but to those who were, who were magicians who served false gods before, is God need to completely put them in another place in order, in order to call Do they need to become like a Jew or like, 
No, right where God called them from, to transform their life right there and to use them right there. God has a purpose for them there. And, and, and that takes us recognizing and, and in faith saying, no, the sovereignty of God over my life, it's not just my bad choices that may brought me to this place. God has had his hand in this and he has a purpose in it right where I'm at and right, right uh, in my current condition. So right after that, he says, he, he talks to those who are circumcised or uncircumcised. And he says, well, should, should those who are uh, circumcised Jews try to hide the scars from that? Or should those who are uncircumcised Gentiles, should those be, they become circumcised? No. He says, right where you at, in the condition that you are, I want you to follow me. And then he talks to servants, to bondservants. And he says in verse 21, were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. This must have been hard for some of the servants to read because they're going, wait, you said that we're all the same here. This is my shortcut to freedom. Now, Paul says, do not be concerned about it. But he, he does say in parentheses, but if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself the opportunity. We, we got that cultural context. There, there's that opportunity that they could gain favor with their master and gain their freedom. That's a good thing. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man in the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called as a bondservant of Christ, uh, you were bought, oh, sorry. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. See the irony there. Um, the, this, this one who's a servant and master, they both come to the Lord. The servant, well, he's a freed man of the Lord now. Well, master, you're a bondservant of Christ now. Well, both of them are bondservants of Christ, but you see how God has now put them both into the same place before Christ. We are all bondservants. And praise the Lord, I think it is, it is God's purpose that bondservants bond and servants and this whole thing existed at this time so that that analogy would be there for us to see our relationship with Christ as a servant who has given themselves over to a master to say, I want to be yours. It is better to be your slave than anything else that the world has to offer. It says in verse 23, you were bought with a price. What price was that? That was Jesus' blood. Purchasing us out of slavery to sin, what we saw, Ephesians chapter two. Purchasing us out of that. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. If you've got a choice, don't put yourself in, into a place of being a servant to a, an earthly master. Why? Because you're already a servant. And then you're gonna have to serve both. Says, don't put yourself into that position. So brothers, in whatever condition each is called, there let him remain with God. I love the added, with God. Right where you're at. You have that oppressive boss? You are, are, you, are you just in a position just struggling to find a job maybe? Or maybe just there, there's illness and, and things that have come along that, that, are, that are just oppressive in your life. What, what, what is the condition that we're in? God has blessed us with a lot of families in this church um, who have special needs children. Do you see God having a purpose in that. 
See, this applies everywhere. We can, we can trust that God has a purpose in it and that he wants to use us right in that condition that we're at. In my job, um, last couple of years, uh, and, and I'm heading out of that job now. Praise the Lord for how he's making everything line up. But, but I went into that job, uh, and that job was no less a condition that God had put me in for his glory and for his purpose than any other job I'd had. But there was a difference because he had changed my view of it. And I went into that job very much in a place where God had put me to say, you know, you are here for my purpose. It was less about establishing a career. It was less about um, you know, making a great amount of money. And it was more to follow God and his purpose. And I got to see much clearer what God was doing in that. And I was much more intentional about praying for those that were at work. And, and every morning, seeking what God was going to be doing through me in the lives of those at work. Do we see the condition that God has put us in, no matter how good or bad, as the condition that God wants to use us? We are on temporary assignment for God. And why do I say temporary? Andy, can you come up here? I have never used a sermon illustration before, so here it goes. Praise the Lord. All right, I'm going I'm to use you in just a second here. So this is, based on my best estimates, um, a timeline, and you can hold on to Adam and Eve there. There's the Garden of Eden, and if the average lifespan in the U.S. currently is represented by three-quarter inch electrical tape, then this is about where we would be right now from Adam and Eve to now. It really doesn't seem like as long as you would expect it to be. Well, if this is my life. This is my temporary assignment. What am I focused on? I go to work. So what I'm going to gain in the last part of this, what are we going to be doing right here? I pray Jesus comes before there. I, I think it may even be before this black is done. Do we even know how much, how much is left? <laughs> Jesus could come tomorrow, say, no, it's all of, all of my body, my church that is, that is embedded in this world that needs Jesus it's time for you to come home. He could do that. It could, be, it could be today. And we're supposed to be looking for that. Remember, we're the bride. And the groom's going to come at any time. We don't know when. And that's going to be a joyous occasion when he comes. What's going to be happening here? What's going to be happening here? What are we going to be doing? Here and here and here and here. This doesn't end. So why am I so worried about this? He has a temporary assignment for us exactly where we're at. Is it suffering? Then I'm suffering with Christ, and praise the Lord, I can identify with Christ in that way. That's what it says, rejoice when you get to suffer with Christ. 
It's only going to be for that much. Thank you, Andy. You can give him a hand of applause. So what's the purpose of my life here? That's the third point. It's all for Christ, all of it. I'm gonna get to enjoy glory with Christ, never ending. And it's not gonna be boring, folks. We, we kind of worry about that sometimes. Like, our experience in this is what the world has to offer, where, where nothing quite satisfies. And, and we're always having to go after something new, and then it doesn't satisfy, and we get bored with things. That's all part of this cycle of a sinful condition that we're in, in the flesh, not enjoying what it is that we're designed to enjoy. But here, this is gonna be something glorious. We get to enjoy with Christ. And it's all for him. So everything now is for Christ. Let's look back in Ephesians chapter six. Starting in verse five again. Bondservants, you are on temporary assignment as a bondservant, right where you're at. You have been called and I want you to obey your earthly masters, this temporary assignment. Your earthly master, I want you to obey them with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, just as you would Christ. You see how that works? When, I, when I'm at my work and, and I'm there and I have a boss who is over me, just, just the other day I had my boss tell me, David, you know, this other person is, is a little frustrated because you know, some of the things that they're asking for, you're not participating, you're not following through on those things. Should I... If my focus is on how my boss sees me, how the world sees me, I might start to try to make a case for myself to say, no, I, you know, there's all this other stuff going on. I'm not really a part of that. No, I'm supposed to be serving my boss as if I'm serving Christ. How would I serve if Christ came to me and said, I need you, I need you to do this for me? Well, my heart would be all in. My motivation would be all in. But yes, can I do that? That's what God wants. It, it, it's not conditional on, on the goodness of the boss or even the correctness of the situation. No, he wants us to serve right where we're at as if we are serving him, all to Jesus. In verse six, not by way of eye service. I'm not trying to look good before other people as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Why? Because I'm on temporary assignment for the Lord. Right here. Doing the will of the Lord from the heart. Verse seven, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. It's all for Christ. Are we looking for a reward here that's in that little bit of tape? Because don't look for your reward there. 
Maybe, maybe I am in my current situation totally being, being taken advantage of. But still, God wants us. We're on assignment for him, even in that situation, to love and to be Christ in that situation, to serve as if we're serving Christ. And so he says in verse 8, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. What am I doing? I'm living in light of, of this rope going all the way that way for, forever. That's where the reward is going to be found. So right now, if I don't have any reward, if I'm being totally taken advantage of, who else was taken advantage of in this life? Christ. You had, you had the Son of God go all the way to the cross on behalf of us. His eyes set on the joy that was before him, which was not in that little piece of tape. It was on eternity. Praise the Lord. Everything in my life is for Christ. Paul had that same, that same view. We saw multiple times in Ephesians where he said, he introduced himself as Paul, prisoner for the Lord, prisoner for Christ Jesus. He saw his current condition in prison in Rome as being for Jesus. Do we see our current condition that way? Turn with me to Philippians. This is another letter, Philippians chapter one, just to the right. This is another letter that Paul wrote also from, from Roman prison about the same time. Starting in verse 21, what, is, what does Paul say? He says, for me to live here in the tape is Christ. To die is gain. For if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Why doesn't God just, all, just take us all? We, 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 we've come to know Christ. We're saved. We, we are a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. That, that's who we are. Why doesn't he just take us immediately there? Here's, here's why, and it's in, in Paul's heartfelt message right here. It says, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. He said earlier in here that he trusted that the Spirit of God would free him so that he'd be able to see them again. What is he saying? He's saying, there's this opportunity now within this time for God to do amazing things among us and we can glory in Christ. He says, I'm here for your progress, for your joy in the faith. Why does God have us here? Why does he have us embedded where we are now on, on task for him? It's for those that are around us, for their increase in faith, for those who don't have faith to come to know Christ. For those who have faith, to be encouraged in their faith, to grow in the joy of their faith, and for us together to celebrate as God does stuff among us, 
that we would have cause to glory in Christ Jesus. Everything in my life is for Christ. How many years do we have left? We don't know. Tomorrow could be my last. That would be glorious to go to be with Christ tomorrow. Or I could live another 40 years. I could live, well, I'm 43. The average says I'm going to be, I'm, I'm already more than halfway. But God knows exactly the day. It's not going to be a day sooner, not a day later. He knows exactly the day. And until then, I'm on task for the Lord. Do we see our lives that way? You know, the Bible says that all of us are gonna be going through eternity. But the truth of the Bible says that apart from what Christ did on the cross, because of our sin, because of us sinning against God, that there's a resurrection to eternal suffering. That's what the Bible teaches. That doesn't end. But God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. Jesus, his son, died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, our sin that's deserving of an eternity of suffering. He took that punishment on himself. So that now through faith in Christ, we can look forward to an eternity of life, eternal life, glory, and hope in Jesus Christ. So if you don't know Christ, the most important question in your life that you can consider is, have I surrendered my life to Christ? That is absolutely the most important question. Some of the best places I've been in my life is when God brings me to my knees and I'm laying my life before him and saying, God, all of this, all the things that I love, all of the things that are difficult, everything, I'm, I'm laying that down before you. And, and just as the Bible says that the kingdom of heaven is like someone who finds this pearl of great price and he sells everything to go get that pearl of great price, Jesus, you are that pearl of great price. And everything else that the world has to offer, I'm laying down. And my whole life, which is just that much, I'm laying down before you. It's all for you. And in those times in my life when I've done that has been when I've, I'm in a, the best place to hear from the Lord. Say, God, where do you want me to go? These are good things that I'm laying down before you. Hope Church, things that my kids are involved in, things that are at work, everything. God, this is all yours to be used, and you, Christ, of this body, I'm recognizing as the head. 
And I'm going to surrender all of this to you, God. Show me where you want me to go. So as we sing this next song, I lay it down, all of it at the feet of Jesus. Let's just worship our Lord. Jesus, we do lay everything that we have at your feet. And it is no great sacrifice, God, because we are looking into the eyes of our Savior. Jesus, the glory that we have in you, the treasure that we have found in you is worth so much more than anything that we can offer. And God, we have so much to look forward to. And this life is so short and so temporary compared to the glory of the eternity that you have for us. God, help us to live our lives with purpose. God, with your purpose to serve you, our Lord and King, on assignment for Jesus, none other than Jesus. That's right where we're at. God, that makes everything that we're doing right now so meaningful. It's for you. All of it is for you. And God, you're right there with us. We praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus. And it's in your holy name that we pray. Amen.